Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy and today's episode is about how to spice up mandatory security awareness training. Yeah, we're going to look at better alternatives to death by PowerPoint. And this gets fun, so stick around. And as always, please follow us on LinkedIn and, and make sure you subscribe so you can always get the latest updates. Hey, let's face it, we've all sat through security awareness training, and now we're responsible for making sure others sit through the same experience. Some of us even get to write the training, but, well, let's face it, sitting in a cybersecurity awareness course is not most people's idea of a good time. Okay, probably like no one's idea ever. Now, I remember a company that had an employee who was the most boring presenter ever. Monotone. Uh, has a tent, you know, kind of like um, droning, you know, well, staring uh, uh, um, at his notes. Think of the worst presentation you've ever attended and then go downhill from there. But he really thought he was awesome. Now, what do you think his manager did? See, this company, they had a problem with people failing fishing exercises multiple times. So they put this guy in charge of remedial security training. People would do anything not to have to sit and listen to him. And the click-through rate for fishing dropped like a rock. No amount of unboring presentation seemed to work, but avoiding the worst presenter ever did. So getting a little creative with your program might improve your results. Of course, not everyone has a coworker who's a world-class bore. You need to figure out other ways to get people involved and change your behavior. So that's what this episode is about, giving you new ideas you can work with to achieve better results without significantly more investment. Good deal, huh? Okay, let's get going. Every organization, larger than a few employees, has mandatory classes. Whether it's about ethics, diversity, or dare we say, security awareness training. Each presentation usually has the same phrase repeated over and over. I'm sure you've heard it and will recognize it. Any guesses? Yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> it's next slide. That's the battle cry of death by PowerPoint. Yet PowerPoint is popular as it is, and, and I recall one British officer observing that PowerPoint was the language of the Pentagon, is not the most powerful way to get your point across. Sorry, Microsoft. If we recall the advice of Chinese philosopher Shunzi, who lived around 245 BC, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. Loosely translated, but you get the point. The key to making cyber awareness training a learning activity that is fun and engaging is engagement. To do that, we need to get out of just giving a lecture and involve our audience. Remember, the goal of cyber awareness training isn't just to create awareness. It's about creating an organization that possesses cyber vigilance. So I'm going to use an unusual reference to make the point. Imagine that you have the responsibility to identify the best way for millions of young people to learn important concepts. Now think about how you can get a teenager to pay attention. Now for my fellow parents, that sounds like mission impossible right there. Well, that's a continuous challenge facing the Boy Scouts of America. 
I personally spent several years in scouting, and although today that organization is embroiled in some very unfortunate legal issues, my experience was that of caring, knowledgeable adult leaders who took a great interest in helping us mature ethically while learning life skills. I was visiting my mom a few weeks ago, and then going through the attic, I found a bag with my old Boy Scout stuff, merit badges, jamboree patches, and even an old copy of the Boy Scout Handbook. A useful methodology in the modern version of that handbook is the EDGE method, and it consists of four steps. E, explain. D, demonstrate. G, guide. And E, enable. Now let's imagine you have a number of boys in their first camp out, and Friday night's treat are going to be s'mores, right? We know what those are. There's no microwaves in the woods, so this might be the first time they're making them over an open fire. Now let's go through a scouting magazine article from about 2017 that walks us through the edge process using that as an example. Number one, first you explain how it's done. All right, boys, I'm going to push a couple marshmallows onto a green stick and hold a little above the flames until they turn brown. Then I'm going to take two graham crackers, put part of a Hershey bar in between them, and squish the hot, gooey marshmallow inside. Okay, you've explained it. For those who haven't had a s'more, now you know what it is. Next, you demonstrate the steps you just explained. You cook your first stick of marshmallows, and then you narrate your actions to reinforce that first step. You build your treat and let everyone know how much you enjoy that first bite. Now you've just created some demand. Next, you guide your students through their first experience. Let the scouts find their own sticks, bake some marshmallows, and give it a try. Now offer help and advice if needed, like don't get too close to the flames or your marshmallow will catch fire. And then finally, you enable them to succeed. Step back, sit down, and watch. Here's the key. No longer offer help. Let them figure out if they do something wrong. No one's going to die. So some of the biggest opportunities for learning come when you don't give help and the student must figure it out. You see, the explain, demonstrate, guide, and enable method creates repetition. And this repetition reinforces the learning process while providing a safe environment to learn. Kids don't need to be experimenting with fire and until they've seen it explained and demonstrated first. So why not use this type of methodology to teach in your next offsite? Now, back in 1936, William Hillcourt from the Boy Scouts of America came up with another great concept. Scouting is a game with a purpose. Now, I think there's a lot to be learned from this idea. If you remember, I devoted an entire episode to gamification. And if you don't remember or haven't heard it yet, check out our 14 February 2022 episode of CISO Tradecraft entitled, Shall We Play a Game? A game with a purpose is a concept we're starting to see more and more of in cyber awareness training, which brings me to our next learning method, escape rooms. One great example of a game with a purpose is an escape room. There's a cybersecurity awareness company called Living Security that took the concepts of escape rooms and made them virtual. Now, if you haven't heard of an escape room, it's basically a timed challenge. You enter a room and are given a limited amount of time, such as an hour, to complete a series of puzzles. And these puzzles require participants to use observation skills, analysis skills, reading skills, and other approaches to successfully navigate to the answer. Another way to say is that they involve the player. Now, after participants finish the escape, they talk about their shared experiences and get debriefed on the total time it took the group to complete the challenge. Now, one team might have completed the challenge in 45 minutes. 
while another team just took 43. Now, what would you expect the slower team to have? It's like, can we try it again? By the way, for those of you who like Big Bang Theory, they did kind of a spoof on an escape room where all these super smart people get in there and the three-hour escape room, they solve it in about four and a half minutes. All right. Well, anyway, you want to make sure your challenge is, is up to that. Now, with COVID and all that came with it, physical escape rooms fell out of favor. Now, Living Security created virtual escape rooms that allow players to act as special agents who must investigate a potential crime. And this involves and allows participants the ability to learn the cyber principles in a very engaging way. It's a game with a purpose. Now, think about how you can apply this concept to your organization. For example, imagine you really want all senior executives to improve their security vigilance. Ask the executive leadership team if, for each executive who reports to the CEO, you may take one hour with that executive and their team to perform and participate in a cyber escape room. Now, you tell each team they need to think of a creative team name, they'll be timed against their peers, and the reward for finishing first can be bragging rights at a minimum or free donuts the next day or, or maybe a pony. Well, okay, maybe not. Anyway, this type of approach allows teams to have fun and really get engaged. Now, if you're thinking, well, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I don't have any budget to buy any new tools, don't worry. You can create your own escape rooms with basic software suites like Google Docs. Now, to give you some examples of what that looks like, be sure to check out our show notes. We've got links to free escape rooms created by public libraries with amazing formats such as Choose Your Own Adventure that you can copy to make fun scenarios for your organization. Georgetown, now the city in Texas, not the university, has assembled 15 different escape rooms and themes such as Ready Player One, The Mandalorian, and probably, truth in advertising, Escape Your Boring Break. All right, links in the showroom notes. The Ready Player One scenario, I dug into that, and it starts with an explanation that sounds a lot like the book, and of course the movie's theme, that the virtual world creator James Halliday left behind several clues that allow the person who solves them to receive his entire fortune. But you're competing with the evil, innovative online industries who's trying to solve the riddles before you do. Now, the first clue is a 5 by 5 grid of letters with a message. Simple cipher to be sure, and it's a confidence build. Now, I hope I'm not giving away any state secret when I say the answer is arcade. But it then progresses from there using Google Docs, and if the players log in, they can record their scores and compare their achievements to other teams. Now, Fairfax County, Virginia has their own escape rooms as well, including Escape from Narnia, Escape from the TARDIS, and even a Star Wars-themed room. Now, each of these is created by a different library, and they're not just from Virginia, some are even from overseas, and they're hosted on an easy-to-find website, which we'll also include that in the show notes. You see, escape rooms can be fun, but most of those that are available don't necessarily feature a security awareness theme, although I'm pretty sure they're out there right now. And as we said, we already mentioned one that we've, we've run into before, and that's going to be the company that's uh, providing these escape rooms called Living Security. Not to kind of pitch them. They're not sponsoring this episode, but it was an example I know. So if you're an escape room company out there and you do it and you compete against them, give us a call. We'll give you a shout. Another great way that you can involve your listeners is by tabletop exercises. Basically, a tabletop exercises are fire drills. Essentially, how can we simulate a scenario that provides our team with a way to respond when things go bad? 
We can look in our business continuity plans to see major risks that can cause harm to our business. We then say, hey, let's simulate that this scenario happens. How would we respond to this event as it unfolds? Now, there's a lot of opportunity for success as well as generating some lessons learned. Now, here are three examples of common lessons learned. The first lesson is that exercises create accountability and responsibility. You might get to a decision point in a tabletop exercise such as, should we pay the ransomware or not? These critical decisions take time. Is it the CISO who makes the call? Is it legal? Is it the CEO or even the board? If you've established procedures that have already determined who makes the decision, then you save time, which is key during an actual incident. Just like it's important to practice getting out of a building quickly when it's filling with smoke and the fire alarms are going off, in a cyber emergency, everyone should know exactly what to do. Admiral Rick Over, the founder of the United States Nuclear Navy, had said, Anyone who stops to think in an emergency shows a severe lack of training. All right, so remember that. You want to create tabletop exercises that come up with questions like, who should be in charge of this? And how long should this take? And who ultimately approves this finished work? You see, you can use those scenarios to build better response plans, and then everyone benefits. Another good lesson for tabletop exercises is observing a breakdown in process. Let's say your tabletop exercise focuses on a major disaster, such as a hurricane, that takes out power to the local area. Now, this event happens at the end of September, beginning of October, right, right when your organization needs to submit third quarter reports to the regulators. And also, currently, the CFO is the key signatory to release the documents, but you're unable to reach the CFO for the next 48 hours. And the documents are due. Do you have a process in place to delegate authority to an interim CFO? Or does your company fail to meet reporting requirements? You see, you can go ahead and put your people on the spot. It's just an exercise. But by doing so, you're finding scenarios that perhaps the folks who have either written the documentation or who have created the organization never thought about. And it's better to figure it out in the scenario than when it actually happens in real life. Now, a third lesson you might experience is finding scenarios where there is no procedure for your organization. Let's say there's a new open source supply chain attack. Your organization has processes for responding to malware, but no one's established a process to identify what software applications run open source libraries like Blog4j. This is an opportunity for you to create new response plans. Remember, it's okay to have tabletops on emerging attacks where there's no clear guidance. Use these as opportunities to improve your incident response playbooks. GCHQ offers a number of exercises in a box allowing organizations to test and practice responses to a cyber attack. I went through a few of them, and some of the scenarios include a ransomware attack delivered by phishing email, mobile phone theft in response, insider threat leading to a data breach, third-party software compromise, managing a vulnerability disclosure, and even supply chain software. CISA offers a number of tabletop exercise packages, or CTEPs, to assist stakeholders in conducting their own exercises on this side of the pond. Now, there's over 100 situation manuals available, meaning you can most likely find pretty much whatever you're looking for. Now, some examples are cyber insider threat, ransomware third-party vendor, vendor phishing. They also include things like active shooter, supply chain border closure, 
violent extremists and hurricane and even severe weather. So they go a little bit outside of cyber for that. And we've got links to those pages as well in the show notes. So feel free to look them up and get some great ideas. Now, lastly, another great way to involve your users is to use live polls and surveys during your presentation. You can use popular teleconference softwares like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or survey software like Poll Everywhere or Kahoot or Slido. It doesn't really matter too much which software you use. Now, here's a tip. To break the ice, start with an interesting question like, how long do you think it takes to brute force an eight-digit password? And let users type in their answers into an anonymous word cloud and show it on the screen for everyone to see as the new answers get added. Then talk about them. It can make for a good discussion when you use live feedback, and you can talk about certain answers that seem quite distant from reality. It allows for participation, and it really brings engagement versus creating opportunities for folks to check TikTok or Facebook or the latest trends on social media. You want to keep engaged. Now, if you're looking to create an engaging atmosphere, here's another fun tactic to try. Look for an entertaining video that you can watch that talks about cybersecurity. If you need some examples, let's take a look at some online security awareness training. Major security awareness vendors like Snowbefore have dozens of resources available for their customers. Now, Adobe and Speechless Inc. also have videos, but the National Cybersecurity Alliance offers eight short downloadable videos. They're at staysafeonline.org, and we'll put the full URL in the, in the notes. Now, here you can watch short, entertaining video clips, just a couple of minutes each, of people making, well, poor cybersecurity choices. And you can do a poll and talk about, as a manager, what could we have done to prevent this action? Use it to talk about, well, the stupid things that people do without blaming anyone or any organization. Certainly not anybody that everybody knows. See, now you've got a novel way to invite people into the discussion and increase their understanding. Okay, let's summarize. We talked about five great alternatives to death by PowerPoint. Number one, the edge method. Explain, demonstrate, guide, and enable. Number two, escape rooms, virtual as well as physical. Number three, tabletop exercises. Number four, polling. And number five would be short videos from online resources. Now, if you want to make your own video, that's fine. But the whole idea is, is that we're looking for solutions that don't cost a lot of time and money and effort, but will still be engaging. Now, of course, you can still save that PowerPoint deck for remedial training. I mean, who knows? You get a bad enough presenter, no one will be willing to cause a cyber incident anymore. All righty. That's a lot of stuff in a short period of time, and that should probably wrap it up for today's show. Remember, take your program from security awareness to security vigilance by involving your listeners. They'll remember more, and you'll get invited to speak more often because you're more interesting to listen to, and, and that's a win-win for everyone. So thanks again for listening to today's show, and if you like what you heard, please share the episode on LinkedIn or Hopefully, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to reach more listeners, and we need your help to do it. This is your host, G. Mark Hardy, and until next time, thanks for being with us, and stay safe.